Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Hi, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop. In preparing for today's show, I stumbled upon an article that used nature versus nurture argument in an attempt to convince readers that marijuana is, and I quote, the most dangerous gateway drug, and that a poor overall environment growing up can also be a major cause of marijuana addiction. If you've studied cannabis, you're likely rolling your eyes like I did. All it takes is one obvious alternative fact to lose me as a reader. But honestly, the article got me to thinking about the nature versus nurture debate. It's one of the oldest arguments in the history of psychology. It occurred to me that the nature-nurture argument serves as a metaphor for many aspects of life, science and medicine. I began to wonder why the debate asks an either-or question. Why can't the answer be both? I mean, it seems impossible to separate the two. Take the environment, for example. We can look at nature as it was intended and examine how it has evolved with human intervention. The biodiversity of the environment is a wholly interdependent network of plant and animal species. When outside influences impact one, all others are affected. The same goes for the human body. By nature, our genetic makeup, our DNA, can help determine our predisposition for disease and our ability to stay healthy. There are so many interdependent systems in our body. When one breaks down, all others are impacted. But it seems the way we care for ourselves would be a larger determining factor, despite our genetic makeup. The outcome for our overall health depends upon both nature and nurture. So if you're wondering what this has to do with cannabis, let me explain. In recent weeks, we touched on the groundbreaking discovery of the endocannabinoid system. It resides in our nervous system and plays a significant role in our overall health and well-being. Our nature provided us with an amazing tool. What scientists are beginning to realize is that it must be nurtured in order for it to reach its full potential. And that cannabis is the key to unlocking its full potential. That's the topic of today's show, and I'm eager to reintroduce two dynamic guests that know a lot about that topic. But first, Dr. Brian Donner has our medical marijuana minute. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thank you, Snowden. 
I believe the discovery of the endocannabinoid system and understanding its operation and utility could turn out to be one of the most important medical revelations of modern-day medicine. So I'm very happy to know that you'll be talking about that today. It amazes me that most nursing colleges and medical schools still offer little to no coursework and baseline education on the subject. The endocannabinoid system, or ECS, is connected throughout our nervous system and is involved in a variety of physiological processes, including appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, immune system function, among many others. In essence, it functions similarly to many of the other biochemical systems that are present in our body, with certain molecules binding to receptors, which in turn causes a physiological response. Recent studies have shown that cannabinoid deficiency is a common denominator among people who are diagnosed with neurological diseases, such as Parkinson's. Scientists are also now learning that people with autoimmune conditions like Crohn's disease can oftentimes respond very well to cannabis therapy. We don't yet have all the answers about how cannabis unlocks the ECS or why medical marijuana is key to doing so, but we can be certain that the subject should be taken seriously at both the academic and clinical levels. For now, it's up to doctors, nurses, and other healthcare providers to educate themselves about the endocannabinoid system. I would personally like to invite patients and medical practitioners to join me at the World Medical Cannabis Conference and Expo, which will be held in Pittsburgh, PA, on April 21st and 22nd, during which time attendees can participate in a medical cannabis education course and have the opportunity to earn continuing medical education credit. For more information about this, please visit CompassionateCertificationCenters.com. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for the Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you so much, Dr. Donner. Let's get started. So I am excited to reintroduce our guests. Both are registered nurses who have traveled throughout the United States educating health practitioners about the endocannabinoid system. And both have been on our show before at different times, and I'm so excited to have them both together today. So first, let me introduce Nurse Julesy, who's calling in from Las Vegas, Nevada. She's an RN, also trained in kinesiology. She's the editor of Cannabis Nurses Magazine, and thank you so much for being here again, Nurse Julesy. Hello, and thank you so much for welcoming me. I'm here in Las Vegas, so proud to be here. Oh, so glad you could join us. And um, secondly, we have Nurse Heather Manis. Uh, she's the president of the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association, a certified cannabis nurse. She was a medical director of a Santa Fe, New Mexico cannabis dispensary for more than a decade. And as an in-home psych nurse, she frequently helps veterans with PTSD get off of harmful pharmaceutical medications that have serious side effects. Thank you so much, uh, Nurse Heather, for being here. I'm so glad you're here as well. I love your show, Snowden, and I'm so excited to be here with you and your listeners again. Thanks for having me back. Oh, well, thank you for joining. It's really exciting to me to have you both together because um, I think the first time I met you both, you were together, and the first time I saw you um, at an event, you were speaking on the endocannabinoid system, and this is just so much a part of, of your journey in terms of educating people, these events that you attend, and all of the efforts that you're doing to get out there and educate people. So it's very exciting to me to have you both on the show at once. So, (laughs) um, and I know that you've got a lot of very exciting things coming down the pike. 
Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about before we kind of delve into the endocannabinoid system is this educational network platform that you're launching right now. Um, Nurse Heather, tell me a little bit about that. Well, Julesy and I, we've been empowered with so much knowledge over the last few years regarding cannabis. And, you know, we, we go around the country educating um, and so it only made sense that we finally put this all together and, and start pulling in some really incredible talent to start sharing their knowledge as well. So Julesy and I, uh, together with our partner, Lisa Lefevre, have created the Cannabis Education Network. And we're very, very excited. Our first event will be this Thursday on March 2nd in Wellington, Florida. Oh, wow. So Florida's right, brand new to this. Florida, you're absolutely right. They just passed medical marijuana or medical cannabis, their program in November of 2016. And so as they're in the process of the rules being written right now as we speak, um, they are thirsty for some knowledge. And so we're bringing some experts from all over the country to come and give them some insights regarding um, cannabis as a health and wellness tool, as help as a veterinary aid, as well as just kind of uh, learning what they have to uh, look forward to in, in the months to come, because this is a fun process once your state goes legal. Oh, yeah. And, and this will be one of the first events, too, um, in this regard. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Um, this is this event is actually the signature um, high-end social event of the legal emerging cannabis industry in Florida, and we've actually teamed with Stonefield National, who's actually um, producing this through with Cannabis Education Network, um, and our and the experts that we have in the field. Um, really to bring something to Florida. They're on the verge and the cusp of creating their laws and their legislation as we speak. We're actually going to be having the mayor and vice mayor, some of our VIPs that are coming through, our councilmen and legislators. So as this is a a public ticketed event, it's a non-consumption event. People ask us all the time. Uh, But it's designated to normalize and educate and integrate the legalized cannabis, the businesses that are developing in Florida, and those who work in the industry. So it allows us to come together um, with our co-industry workers as they learn from nationally accredited cannabis industry leaders like um, Nurse Heather and myself. So thank you. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. So when you're out in public at some of these events for consumers and presenting your case for education and the endocannabinoid system in particular, what is your biggest message to consumers who may be just new to all of this? What do you, what is the first thing you like to tell people? Well, you know, what I always say, Snowden, is I have an endocannabinoid system and so do you. So do you. And so that's one thing, you've got to bring it back to the basics. I mean, it's, it's maybe not bringing it back to basics for some people, it's way out there, but as we're learning more and more and more about this system, cannabinoid therapeutics, we as experts have to bring it back to the basics and really talk about the fact that we have a system that balances all of our other systems, as you were saying in the intro, and it, it is essential for our health and well-being. And so as medical professionals, um, Nurse Julesy and I have a responsibility 
to deliver this type of information because, as you said, not even medical professionals don't understand this. So how could we expect the general public to? And what we find regarding cannabis, Snowden, it's kind of interesting that a lot of times it's the general public or patients who are educating healthcare providers. I know that was my, my, my story for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you hear that all the time. People go to their healthcare practitioners and they tell them, you know, that, hey, they want to stop taking this or that pharmaceutical because they found that it's actually working a little bit better for them to have uh, cannabis treatment. I mean, it, it, it seems like that's a common theme. And the doctors just, if they're not educated about it, they just sort of look at them blankly. <laughs> These are the stories that I get. Well, at least in my situation, I've been a pediatric ER trauma nurse in the Valley of Las Vegas for many years. And in 2010, Nevada had a medical marijuana program here for nine years. And it wasn't until 2010 until a patient came to me and said, hey, Nurse Julesy, did you know that, you know, cannabis cures cancer? And I said, whoa, 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 that's kind of like a really bold statement. But it was really our patients who led us to this. And Mind you, I was a just say no Nancy Reagan era. Um, Schedule one is taboo. I never even touched it before then. And in even talking about it, it's like committing career suicide in our in our healthcare system because it's so taboo. We learned that there were 11 um, body systems, but actually we have a 12th one called the endocannabinoid system. And that's the ECS. And when I learned that, I said, why the heck have we not as nurses or medical providers even been given this knowledge and information? So it opened Pandora's box and led me to uh, Nurse Heather and the two of us have been championing since then to get this message out to the rest of the world and to our healthcare providers and especially to our lawmakers. Yeah, because after a while, I mean, they just cannot ignore the science of this. Well, and it's, you know, it's interesting because ever since the beginning um, of Prohibition in 37, the American Medical Association was against that. Um, we have had cannabis as part of our pharmacopoeia uh, medically in, in the Western, you know, medicine for a very, 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 very long time. It's been used in ancient uh, cultures. And so, you know, it, it's... We have a, a series of years here from 1937 where politicians and lawmakers and law enforcement have actually been driving health care. They've been practicing medicine without a license because what right. we know about the endocannabinoid system is so compelling. And I know Julesy will say the same thing that um, we can use this plant as a supplement for what we are finding as an endocannabinoid deficiency, a clinical endocannabinoid deficiency where people are getting sick. And by replacing these cannabinoids and stimulating the endocannabinoid system, we're creating a balanced environment within our bodies. Tell me a little bit about how the endocannabinoid system works and the receptors, because I know that, that you both know a lot about this. So, Julesy, if you want me to take the first part, then you can take the cannabinoids and terpenes. How's that sound? Sounds beautiful. Okay. So, we'll give you a quick spiel, Snowden, for you and your listeners, because I know that you've read the article that kind of covers that 
Um, hopefully that article can go up on your website so that others, your listeners can go check it out, but we'll tell you about it. So basically what we've learned through science and Dr. Raphael Meshulam is that we as human beings and all mammals have an endocannabinoid system. Now this system is a the largest receptor signaling system in the body. That means we have receptors kind of like a lock and key. So the lock would be the receptor. The key would be these different components, right, with, that, that would lock in that, in that receptor. So what we know is that we as human beings produce endocannabinoids. The name of them, two of the main ones are anandamide and 2-AG. And so we just cruise around, you know, the anandamide, the Sanskrit word um, ananda actually means the translation, it means bliss or complete happiness. So I say we cruise around every day creating bliss molecules that keep us balanced and happy. Um, but what happens if our bodies get in some sort of a state of disease and you stop creating the endocannabinoids you need to keep balance between all of your other systems? So what we have found is that um, clinical endocannabinoid deficiency is a true thing, and it's associated with many diseases like fibromyalgia, IBS, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so we, what we want to do in medicine all the time, if we have a deficiency in something, if you're deficient in vitamin D, we're going to tell you to go outside and get some sun on your face and your arms, right? Um, if you have an iron deficiency, we tell you to eat more red meat. Um, or take iron supplements. Cannabis is the perfect supplement for endocannabinoid deficiency. That is the reason why you see so many different conditions or medical conditions that are affected by cannabis or show some kind of benefit. So that's, um, that's where the endocannabinoid system is. But they're in the cannabis plant itself, there are lots and lots of different cannabinoids, right, Nurse Julesy? Oh my gosh. And this is where I get all excited because I'm the science nerdy geek of um, the group in many ways. And cannabinoids, the most common two cannabinoids, and there's over 140 profiles and plus growing as we speak, but everyone talks about CBD and THC. And there's a whole bunch of CBNs, CBGs, and everything else. And what we found is that through the cannabis plant, each strain of cannabis that's out there, whether it be an indica or a sativa, they, these specific cannabinoids actually work specifically to different disease states. So for those who have neurological deficits, CBN works really, really good with neuropathy and utilizing these cannabinoid profiles. And you don't just need just one cannabinoid. There's a lot of different ones that you're going to need. And then taking it a step further, which even gets more exciting, are what we call terpenes. And terpenes, if you is your nose knows, and terpenes happen to be these wonderful um, um, organisms in the plant that really bring out the sense of the cannabinoids. And when I say your nose knows, you ever go into the forest and you smell a pine tree and it's coming through your body? Well, that's a terpene called pinene. And pinene has a wonderful um, properties. And in adding all these terpenes along with your cannabinoids, we're finding we're eventually, the science isn't there yet, 
But I truly believe that we're going to be using cannabinoid profiles along with terpenes to specifically target specific disease states and symptoms. And patients are already doing this. Yeah, well, what's, yeah. what's pretty so, interesting about this also is that um, aromatherapy has become, yes. you know, pretty popular in the last couple of decades. And I was just about to tell you a funny story. So when Julesy and I were in Florida at, at last year doing some filming with, um, we call him Coach, but uh, uh, Super Bowl champ Marvin Washington, we were sitting around talking while we were doing some filming, and we were discussing this, that cannabis is so cool because not only does it have cannabinoids that have that medicine effect, but they also have these terpenoids that give it these amazing smells. And it also has flavonoids, which gives it flavors. But we were talking about the different terpenes in cannabis. And, and I told uh, Marvin, I said, you know, Marv, that's why aromatherapy is a thing. It's because of terpenes. And so it was so cool to see him understanding terpenes for the first time, because when you look at a lavender plant, Julesy's right, when you, when you have a lavender plant, there's a high concentration of a terpene called linalool. And we all know that lavender is really nice for relaxation. If you smell it, you put it on your temples. The lavender essential oils are amazing. But there's also linalool found in cannabis. And that also lends itself to a nice relaxing experience as well. And so it is cool because sometimes you'll smell a flower, a plant, a cannabis plant, and you'll go oh, this smells stinky, or I don't really like this, or it kind of makes your face wrinkle up. But if there's also those strains that you smell, and it makes your mouth water, and you almost want to like lick the bud because it smells so stinking good. And we tell people, you that's one way to choose cannabis flowers for yourself, is you smell it. So what Julesy said, your nose knows what's right for you, if you smell it and it gives you a nice response and resonates with you positively, then maybe that's a strain you should try if you're at a dispensary where you have a lot of choices. Right. And it, it, it often, even if it just smells good, it's not just about that. It's, it's also about what your body is craving in terms of what the deficiency might be. Isn't that correct? That's absolutely correct, Snowden. Um, when we have patients come to us, they, they always ask us, well, what strain works best? And you need to look at the whole entire science. What is their diagnosis? What are they suffering from? And then picking out those cannabinoid profiles and there's terpenoids and the flavonoids to fit in. So it's quite an amazing plant. And uh, there's so much research that's going to be happening in this whole um section of um, the endocannabinoid system and it's really exciting every day we're unfolding new and we can't wait till our lovely government allows us to finally do that research to get true validated studies on these specifically yeah i i'm a little bit nervous about um the immediate future in terms of <laughs> an into yeah because i mean i'm sure you saw the notice that came out or not notice but it made headline news in some areas that you know they're they're looking at uh, reversing some of the uh, legalization in the states, and it makes me nervous because uh, this administration seems n to be not so friendly to cannabis research. And I mean that could be for a host of different reasons, uh, not the least of which might be the pharmaceutical or alcohol lobbies. But we don't know that for sure. But you know it, it's nerve wracking in a way. Uh, how 
how how are you responding to that? What are your feelings? We're in a battle, Snowden. So I mean, we've those of us that are warriors in this cannabis movement, we've been doing this thing a long time, and we are no strangers to adversity. We knew coming into this new administration that there were going to be some some challenges. Um, we're geared up and ready. I'm going to tell you, if they try to come after um, these states' rights, they're going to have a fight on their hands um, because these programs are working, and it's working for the states, and the taxes that are it's generating is a positive outcome. The 25% reduction in opiate overdose in states that have cannabis, is it, it, it's a success. Um, the reduction in suicide rates in states that have medical cannabis, that is a success. And so, you know, there is no reason for them to come after the legal markets. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I think they're going to have a fight on their hands because those legal markets are a lot about money. And I would think that this administration would pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean, the economic benefits are they far outweigh um, any of the economic detriments. And, and from a criminality standpoint, too, I mean, it seems as though... Uh, legalization is eliminating a certain fringe um, element, at least where the marijuana trade is concerned. When it, well, we have to remember, too, that all use of cannabis is a medical use, whether you know it or not, because of the endocannabinoid system. So it comes back down to that ethnobiological right that I have as a human who who has an endocannabinoid system who possibly could be deficient and wants to supplement. And so, you know, even we have a, a colleague, Nurse Marcy, out of Denver, which is Colorado, a legal state, the first legal state. And there's unintended, beautiful consequences to legalization. Nurse Marcy is a hospice nurse. And so when you're talking about a patient that needs to go to a recommending physician, get their recommendation, submit it to the state, wait for the state program to submit you a card. I personally, because I was a home health nurse, I had a patient's family contact me saying the card showed up and my, my, my loved one is already passed. Um, when it comes to hospice, you don't have time to go through that process. And so what Nurse Marcy has seen is an immediate relief and an ability to safe access where a family member can go and access cannabis at a legal shop and bring it home and administer it to their dying loved one. And so when we look at the medical benefits of that come from a legal market and over, we call it over-the-counter adult medical use. And it is really over-the-counter. I mean, anyone should be able to access it as they need to. And um, there in Colorado, it's making a huge impact on the hospice community. Yeah, another... Right, Heather, and I, I, I just want to add a comment to that. When you talk about recreational use, I always consider and tell people, well, it's considered in my book preventative medicine. And a lot of patients, even if they're hospice or even in the military because they can, don't have access, or if they hold a professional license or a CDL driver's license, a lot of these patients can't get access with a medical card. So if our federal government was to remove recreational, they are taking medicine, which is, according to the American Nurses Association, our universal right to have access to this medicine. So if they take recreational way, they're taking our universal right. And as nurses, we need to stand up and be the change and say, no, this is not right. With The patients need access of all levels. And 
they're going to be up for a rude awakening because whether they take it away or not, patients, just like over the last 80 years, have found a way to get access to their medicine. Yeah, and and when when people argue with me about whether or not it should be legalized for adult use, I often use that example as well, but also say that you know the the economic benefits for people who can't afford to go to you know pay the the state fees um, here in Arizona it's one hundred and fifty dollars just to apply, and then you know if if you have a minor who needs it the you have to pay the fee for the minor and for the parent who will be you know purchasing plus you have to pay for the doctor's recommendation then you have to go to the certification and pay for the certification and at the end of the day for a mother and child to be able to medicate their child that's so prohibitive it is and but when we're talking about pediatrics you definitely need to have that medical um, we are nurses so we understand that you have to have that continuity of care with your doctors, specifically with pediatrics. Mm -hmm. But, you know, on, on the adult front, I mean, absolutely. Um, there's, we are, we have access to many, many things that are dangerous to our health, really dangerous to our health, including fast food and, and sodas and whatnot, um, that to, to have a government really prohibit this, um, this gentle plant medicine from, from adults or anyone, quite frankly, it's just, it's criminal, and that's why Nurse Julesy and I do what we do. We know that knowledge is power, and we're going to keep at it and, and keep bringing this information to as many people as we can. And our goal is to plant seeds, and hopefully they Absolutely. grow in someone, and they can plant seeds where they go and share this knowledge. Yeah, I have to I have to get back to something because I was, I was sort of laughing to myself. Last week I interviewed uh, Dr. Stephen Korn and Dr. Meredith Fisher Korn, and about three quarters of the way through our interview, um, we started talking about Tylenol, and I was completely shocked to find out how, you know, a simple everyday product that almost everyone has in their medicine chest that's given to children who have fevers, it's, you know, anybody who has an ache and pain, they take it. And yet it, it has far more serious health consequences to the human body than does cannabis. You know, if you and I'm sure Julesy's seen a uh, oh, let me, Tylenol or two in her pediatric experience. You know, and I was just going to comment on that, Nurse Heather. Um, working in the pediatric ERs here in Las Vegas, I have found in my own clinical practice when overdoses come into the ER, and there's so many different forms. I mean, you always need to lock your meds up with anything, but sometimes those situations come forth. And even in the case with our, our tweens and our young teenagers, so many patients, pediatric patients, would come in overdosing on Tylenol. And it's so hard to see those cases come through because it's not the immediate effects of Tylenol. It is the long-term effects. And some of these patients, 20, 30, even 40 years later into adulthood, are having kidney failure and issues because of those overdoses. And you can get Tylenol at Costco and the 500 um, package labels, all pretty in pink, neon, that they <laughs> give out like candy to these kids and they swallow. And yet cannabis, one of the most safest medications out there in such 10 milligram doses with microdosing, we can't even get access to our, our patients that way. So when well, I look... I throw, can I throw out there too, Jules, because I'm, uh, you know, my background is psychiatric nursing. Right. One of the things that we see 
um, why there's an actual overdose is because it is so readily available in every medicine cabinet, in every bathroom. Um, and this is what, when you have those tweens or those young teens that are trying to reach out, truly it's a reach out for help. They're, they're trying to commit suicide and, and overdose purposely. And that's what's available is a bottle full of Tylenol and they think they can do it. Um, it doesn't always kill you. Like Julesy said, it gives you renal, uh, you know, kidney failure and issues like that later in life. But, um, you know, we really need to pay attention to that because like you said, something as simple as Tylenol, this is something that in reality in medicine is, um, and especially in pediatrics, is the drug of choice for overdose uh, or you yes. know, side attempts for teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tragic, actually. And yet, you know, cannabis has such an evil stigma to it, which is heartbreaking. And overcoming that, I mean, in what you do with the education and everything, I, it seems to me that that one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges you have is just helping people overcome that stigma. Nurse Julesy, what do you think of that? Well, that's a really good point, Snowden, because when I first came into it, I was like in the ERs just talking to all my nurses and my doctors. When I found out about it, they like, they opened Pandora's box on me and you couldn't shove it back in. I was like scolded and told I couldn't talk about it. It was a schedule one drug and it was, you know, for-profit hospitals. And I finally said, you know, myself got sick. I said, we need to like get a platform or a, a place to preach from, not just preach, but everyone, all my physicians and nurses kept saying, oh, Jules, that's great, but there's not enough evidence. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've read at least a hundred articles and, and research and there's thousands of them over, over the years since the, you know, 1960s with the first <laughs> one that Nixon threw in the trash can. Right. And it is a stigma. So when I looked at the problem, I said, what's the solution? And the solution is, through education. Education is the key. We plant the knowledge, not just the knowledge, but correct information. I, I got I get pet peeved over misinformation. I'm a very big stickler on that. And so through CannabisNursesMagazine.com, anyone can go on there, read the articles, and they know it's written by nurses, doctors, and scientists, and we are a reliable source. So that the nation has really come to take in, um, to this knowledge that we put out there. And it's, it's not an easy task. I mean, not every article gets to get put into our magazine. We back it up by research-based evidence, evidence-based research. And it's so important. So nurses could utilize it. Doctors, we have, we even have patients that are taking these, <laughs> our, our certain articles and issues to their doctors, yeah. which is creating conversation for them. To say, hey, I read this in this, you know, this article. What do you think about this? And when I come back next month, let's discuss it. Because the doctors don't want to be told they don't know what's going on. They'll never admit that they don't know what an endocannabinoid system is. But you provide them proper research and a resource to them. You come back to them. And if at that point they still do not understand or agree with your method of treatment of choice, because it is your choice, then it's time to find a new doctor and find one that actually supports the evidence-based education of an endocannabinoid system. Yeah. I, I think I may have mentioned to uh, both of you at one time or another, uh, the issue that I had with, with my father and in the Navy hospital, they basically told me he had two weeks left and recommended that I call hospice. And at that point, 
they were giving him, you know, benzodiazepines, antipsychotics, all sorts of things that were basically killing him from my perspective. And the minute I mentioned cannabis and said, you know, can't we just try this? What is, what's the harm in it? He's like, I can't even talk to you about it. And he just basically, you know, stopped talking about it. So, but I went back to them uh, on the phone, actually, uh, two of his doctors, and I said, look, um, three months ago you told me that my father had two weeks to live. I'd really, really like it if you could take a look at some of this information because not only did he survive past two weeks, he's now thriving and taking steps for the first time since July. I mean, and they were completely (laughs) dumbfounded. They just, they couldn't believe it. So now they're eager to get more information and they write to me and say, you know, please send me more. And there are 24, more than 24,000 studies when you type in um, cannabis or marijuana onto the uh, uh, pubmeds.gov website. And there is plenty. So how, here's a question for both of you. Um, Nurse Heather, I'll start with you. How do we get the government to acknowledge the actual fact that that cannabis is not only a viable medical um, substance, but it has a, a far less chance of being abused than over-the-counter drugs that aren't even scheduled. How do we get it out of Schedule 1 through the DEA? I mean, it's, I just ponder this a lot. You know, it's, it's going to be a movement. I mean, we're still trying to get to that point. Um, the fact is we're doing a lot of research with, despite the government, um, and the, and the scheduling, there's things that are going on in other countries that we're able to pull from and and really get to know this information. Again, it comes down to educating the people involved. And as I said before, unfortunately, we have politicians that are practicing medicine without a license. And when it comes to this particular plant and, it, it, they don't like to hear that, and they're hard, they're hard nuts to crack because stigma runs very, very deep. And not only that, like you said before, there's lobbyists and there's money and there's, you know, clout and, and reputations on the line. And so, again, like to use Jul- what Julesy said, it's, it's career suicide. And so what we've had to do, as you know, Snowden, um, through the Arizona Cannabis Nurses Association, we have tried to educate those policymakers and and you know, the Department of Health Services, and we've actually had to do it through court and through court testimony and through these orders that judges are making onto like the Department of Health to add post-traumatic stress disorder in Arizona. And, and each time we go to court, it's not that we're there to fight because we're armed up. We're armed up with knowledge. Knowledge is power. So we go in there and we teach them. We, we teach them what they don't know. And look, Usually they come in with earplugs in, you know, they're, they're not hearing it. So we just have to keep trying to find the right platform. I believe that Cannabis Nurses Magazine is a wonderful platform. It's something that I know Julesy has used multiple times um, to, to take and, and hand to her politicians and her policy makers and get it in their hands so that they don't have to hear the knowledge. They can go home and take a dump and, you know, read this magazine while they're sitting there and, you know, that's that's the truth of the matter. Um, we just have to keep at it. 
Snowden. And yeah. I know Julesy's doing a lot of hard work on that, too. I know both of you are. So, Nurse Julesy, you have an idea as well about how to try to affect change on that on that federal level. Correct. Well, currently, we're all divided by state lines, is what I found. And in 2010, when I first came on the scene, I was realizing we had a state program, but we didn't even have dispensaries. So I, as a nurse, even though I was still recovering as a patient, really got involved in my local legislation with my county commissioners, with the city planning, with the state regulation. And we, as activists, really pushed to get these through. And and because of that, Nevada is going to be the mecca for a lot of our tours coming through because we got reciprocity added into it. And our legislators are really, in our state, have really stepped up to the plate and really want to make a good program. So how do we do that at the federal level? Well, as nurses, we have been plugging away and teaching other nurses. This next issue, we have, it's all on qualifying conditions and the opiate dependency and how cannabis affects So we take information such as these issues and we bring them to our lawmakers, to our legislators, to our county commissioners, and we bring and educate and we challenge them saying, hey, we have evidence-based research. We not only have a medical marijuana program with patients of over 25,000 patients, but now we have a recreational program in our state. What are you as legislators and community members going to do to assure safety of our products and safe access? And they look at me sometimes going, oh, here comes Nurse Julesy again. And I'm known in this community as Ask Nurse Julesy on very different levels. And it's just such an importance that we as medical providers, when we do have the knowledge and you are gaining the knowledge as seeds are planted, that you in turn Tell that next neighbor, tell that next family member, tell that next coworker, your physician, your nurse, and you don't challenge them, but you just plant seeds of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And when we start planting enough seeds and we nurture it the proper way, what happens? We have growth. Right. And that's just like this beautiful plant. It has been put on this earth and the seeds and the plants and the animals of the of this earth is for us as our as Heather was your favorite clue thy thy medicine be thy food, thy food be thy medicine. It it's a true thing, and and our and our and our lawmakers, it is their due diligence to choose the right and assure we have the universal right to add this as a treatment option. Yeah. Because if not, I, I honestly say, if they, if any lawmakers against it, they're actually committing human genocide. You stop us from having this plant, you are committing human genocide on the American people. Point but they don't understand it yet, Jules. There's such hard nuts to crack some of them because I know, but I tell old, them they're old birds, babe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that you know, just like any um, truism that's out there, I mean. We've, we see the effects of uh, planting seeds over and over and over again, and pretty soon, whether it's true or not, it becomes the truth. And that's what happened in the 1930s with the Reefer Madness campaign, and I really believe that, Nurse Julesy, I believe you're absolutely right, that if you keep planting that seed, and the more people hear it and understand it and 
you know, it is the truth, they will begin to see that as the truth. Whereas right now, they're still locked into that reefer madness, just say no, Nancy Reagan, war on drugs, you know, mentality. And that is their version of truth for right now. And, you know, whenever I ask some people who are completely opposed to even medical marijuana, they always go back to the federal law and they cite the federal law. It's because there's no medical use and it's because it's um, got a high potential of abuse and they cite that as the truth. So when you start planting those seeds, that goes farther and farther away from their mind and they'll eventually, hopefully, see the light of day, one would hope. Well, and the good news is this, Snowden. Our younger population, our millennials, they get it. Yeah. And even if our old time stone, you know, hard nosed Nancy Reaganers don't get it, our new generation is the one that's going to be taking our places. They get it. They understand it. They've already incorporated it into their lifestyle. I always tell people cannabis and, and consuming cannabis, it's a lifestyle change. It's not something that you just take for two weeks like an antibiotic and it's gone. Um this is a lifestyle change, and our millennials are really, really leading the way, and it's very exciting. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to say one more thing, because you mentioned some very important things, Snowden, when you were talking about, you know, prohibition and reefer madness. And really, when you look at the history, and we are going to be discussing this very topic in Florida on Thursday um, at our Cannabis Education Network event, and when you get to talking about the fact that this prohibition and reefer madness stemmed from one person, really, and that's Harry Anslinger, boo him, boo him, and you think that one person um, can really make that kind of an impact on this plant. I know that all of us together can reverse this. Yeah. So, um, and, and even without a time machine. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and, and but the, the interesting thing too about Anslinger is that it, it he was one person who who had so much power to make that law happen, but it actually with him, he's the one who was in collusion with um uh Randolph Hearst and the DuPont brothers and Rockefeller um, who were basically, it was the oil industry, the chemical industry, and the lumber industry, and um, who, who am I missing? I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing to me, but they wanted to figure out a way to use this new resource that they had, you know, the fossil fuels, the, the trees and the oil, to replace basically uh, hemp at that time. And all of the medicinal properties of hemp came out of it and the, the whole you know, Rockefeller fortune and all of that with the pharmaceuticals, it's all been about money all along. And Anslinger was the one person who was able to make that happen. And it's astonishing for people when they learn that they're like, huh, what? That's not possible. That sounds like a grand, you know, grand conspiracy theory. But you know, the, the fact is, it's the truth. (laughs) <laughs> well, and there's truth to ripple effects. You know, we yeah. talk about all the time with, with everything that we're doing. We're throwing stones in the pond and making these ripple effects. And that was th- those ripples can be positive or negative. And what he did has created what we are dealing with today. And I am almost positive he didn't have a clue that we would still be fighting this after so long. You know, the prohibition of alcohol only lasted 13 years, I believe. And the prohibition on cannabis has now gone on for this long. And so 80 years. Um, 
That's that's right. And and it's it's too long. So we've got a I feel like we're on the cusp of making some major changes and um I, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think we, we all share a mission in that, you know, to educate people and to let people understand that this is not, you know, the evil enemy here. This is something that can really transform lives and not just for the sake of, you know, going out and feeling blissful. This is about, this is about health. It's about, you know, our human dignity and our human right to, get healthy and to use the God-given system we have, the endocannabinoid system in our bodies. So I, I'm just so grateful to both of you because I know that the work that you're doing is making a huge impact out there, um, you know, not just in the industry, but, you know, everywhere um, with your patients and, and all of that. I'm very, very excited to see how your education network comes along and, you know, of course, we're following the Cannabis Nurses Magazine, and it's all very exciting. So are there any last thoughts that um, either of you would like to um, share with us? Tell me what's going on. Absolutely. When we were coming through with the educational pieces, and now we've got the magazine, we've got our courses and our events, and everything's great. But how do we feed our endocannabinoid system? And there's so many product lines out there. There's a lot of misinformation on these CBD hemp's and the regular CBD and the importance of really getting the best products into our bodies. And that's where Nurse Heather had always had such a wonderful vision and she brought us the Nature Nurse product line. And Heather, I want to have you introduce the world to this magnificent product line that feeds our endocannabinoid system. Oh, thank you, Nurse Julesy. Um, you know, it's... I, that's right. I mean, I've always been a product maker, and that's kind of how I came into this um, industry to begin with. I sort of stumbled into it, and I, I started the first edibles and infusion uh, facility in the state of New Mexico and repeated that in Arizona. And so here in California, you know, I'm, I'm continually trying to find solutions. You know, Julesy and I go around the country talking about the endocannabinoid system and how to feed it and how to stay healthy, but we really needed to have solutions to a lot of these things that we were talking about. And so we've come up with amazing products that feed the endocannabinoid system through the different methods of administration. And I just want to do a quick plug because I'm so excited. Um, our new website just launched and it's naturenursehealth.com. I'd love for your listeners to come and check us out, sign up for the newsletter. We send out lots of good information. Um, we believe that knowledge should, should be free. So we definitely have some free knowledge that we give out and, you know, we're, we're all over the place. So, um, thank you, Julesy, for, for reminding me to talk about nature nurse because it's such <laughs> a beautiful organization rooted in ancient plant wisdom and expanded upon through science. Nature nurse products support the endocannabinoid system. So, um, and it's the healthy choice. People. It's, uh, <laughs> it's important that you're feeding that system, and it doesn't have to be high doses of THC. Really doing these microdosing um, ways of t consuming your medicine, just like Julesy was talking about, so healthy and beneficial. And whether it's CBD or THC or a combination of both, um, just it's so good for our health and to recognize that 12th system that neither Julesy nor I learned about in nursing school. 
And that so many doctors still have not learned about in, in medical school even. It's just completely astonishing. So, um, and so what's coming down the pike then? You've got, you've got an event this week, I know, which you've already mentioned. But then um, you're touring the country, basically, to educate people at different events. What states will you be visiting? Oh, gosh. We're going to be, first, we're going to Wellington, Florida, this March 2nd, this Thursday, for an event. And then from there, come August um, 27th, we're going to be in Pueblo, Colorado, which is going to be an entire courses and, and events. Uh, April. The day, the April, date, April. April. Okay, excuse August, me. It's April. <laughs> April. April, April, April. April 27th, 2017, we're going to be doing another um, cannabis education wellness um, events and courses. And it's going to be in parallel with the International Conference uh, of 2017 through the Pueblo, Colorado University, which is another three-day event from the 28th, 29th, and 30th. So it's like a pre-conference to this. And we're actually, so many people in Colorado have been wanting some of our knowledge and to come there. So we designed the first year in 2007 to have our live conferences and events. And then from there, be looking forward to, because we're going to be having some online education that people are going to be able to utilize at a click at their um, home and be able to educate themselves wherever they are. That's fantastic. So, Is that going to be for medical practitioners or for consumers? or It's for everyone. We, we were originally going to just uh, cater it towards nurses, but then everyone was screaming, no, we want the knowledge. So it's, it's for, and the nice thing about the Cannabis Education Network, it's not just, you know, built by our three founders with us, Lisa, uh, Heather, and I, but we're actually, Dr. Uma, she has a whole core curriculum, and we're able, and, and even Dr. Michelle Ross with Impact Network, we're able to incorporate them under our umbrella, so they're curriculums are going to be available to the entire nation. And these are just a few that we're coming up with right now. We have Meet the Professionals. They're going to be able to meet professional doctors and nurses and businesses and business industry owners who grow and produce cannabis. Um, So we're really taking everybody that Heather and I have met over the last, gosh, it's been quite some time, and we're giving them a platform and an opportunity to build their network. Because why it's so important to power everybody in this industry and pollinate the world with everybody's efforts. And we believe in uplifting everybody with this that's in our same alignment with our core values. Yeah, and it's, it's so exciting to me because I think more than any other emerging industry that's come down the pike in the last quarter of a century, the passion that is behind this movement seems to be um, greater than than so many new industries that I've seen. And, and it seems as though the building of these networks is really bringing strength in numbers to, to the cause. And so it's very exciting for me to hear you say that. Really, it is. So Florida, Colorado, Oregon, and Nevada are the ones, and California, are the ones on our, on our radar, and even Alaska. So those are the ones on our main radar right now, and they will be coming to other states soon as our network grows. Um, and we're going to have we have so many different plans coming forward. So Pueblo, Colorado, coming up in April. Then in August of 2017, we have at the Cannabis Science Conference uh, in Portland, Oregon, 
And then summing it up in October with the second year of Cannabis Nurses Anniversary Party and awards ceremony, we're going to be doing that education here in Nevada also. So stay tuned. Stay on our calendar. It'll be on our calendar at the Cannabis um, Education Network.com for updated versions. Okay. And um, Nurse Heather, we have about 30 seconds. Go ahead and give me your last thoughts. Oh, Snowden, what, what can I do in 30 seconds? I, you know, <laughs> I hope we've given your listeners everything that they were asking for. If we didn't, definitely reach out and ask those questions. And uh, you, can, you can find Nurse Julie and I on Facebook and other social media outlets. Yeah, and I'll put information about how to reach uh, you, the educational platform, the Cannabis Nurses Magazine, and your um, all of your websites. I'll, I'll have all of that information on online on our site with this particular broadcast, so um, they won't have any trouble finding you that way. So Excellent. Yeah, well, uh, I have to say thank you so much. And this is not... Um, this this will be followed up sometime soon and I hope you both will join me again because I always thoroughly enjoy talking to you and um, there's just so much more we could cover and I wish we had more time but anyway once again thank you so much to uh, Nurse Julesy and Nurse Heather um, for sharing their incredible knowledge and insights with us today and like I said I'll have information about both of them and the work that they do online at thecannabisreporter.com just click on broadcast to find today's broadcast and you'll learn more about them I also wanted to say thank you to Dr. Brian Donner our medical marijuana update he will be back again next week, and of course, um, he's busy also preparing for the World Medical Cannabis Business Conference and Expo, which is coming up in April as well. That's just another event to tell you about. And thank you a million times over to our beautiful producer, Wendy West, and the team at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine all the time. And last but not least, thank you to all of you for listening. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm Snowden Bishop. And until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is always Pure CBD is a new and unique fresh tasting spray product which delivers an exact measured amount of the highest grade 100% cannabis oil with each spray. Each tube holds a 30-day supply when used as directed. No smoke, no mess. For discreet use, Pure CBD can be used anywhere. Pure CBD from Zephyr Labs.